In Hebrews chapter 10, three verses that uh, really apply today's message and really applies to each and every one of our lives here today. Verses 23 through 25, the Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, as we have a day here today where, uh, let's, let's face it, as we look around here, folks, we're missing a whole lot of people. We have the Umbers in their clan back in Florida. We have the, the, the Martins and half of their herd back in Tennessee. The Flippos, well, now they're kind of strung between here and headed for Pennsylvania, and a bunch of them are headed back out. In fact, Steve and his wife, Melissa, came up, pick up Nadja after the service after tomorrow and taking them there. So you all may be thinking there, think, okay, why is going on here in Summer of a Baptist Church? Well, it happens to be that, you know, life goes on, and sometimes people have got to travel and have to do this and that. But we need to always remember these three verses here. I'm going to be talking about that here today in just a little bit. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for being here with us today. Father, we do pray for our members and our friends and our loved ones who aren't here today, Father. ask, Father, that you be with them and encourage them and keep them safe, Father. Give them safety on, on their, their travels and give them safety as that if they're not here and the, those who are sick, I ask that you heal their body and bring them back. And Father, I do pray, Father, that you let each and every one of us realize why it's so important here to be in your house, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I stand up here basically as a pinch-hitting preacher. I've had that role, and God's given me that role for quite a bit. And what is a pinch-hitting preacher, you say? Well, it's somebody that when the, the pastor's gone, that he goes around different churches, whatever, and he fills the pulpit. To share God's word. Because just because a pastor, just because a deacon, just because a youth pastor is gone, doesn't mean that God doesn't want to be here with you today. And he is here with you here today. The Bible says, when two or more are gathered in one place, he will be here. And folks, he is here with us. Praise God for that. But you know, I realize that now, but I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I, I didn't grow up in a church. The fact is, I didn't have to get saved until I was around 25 years old. Which she said, well, she said, well, that was old. I didn't think it was old. In fact, I remember when I was about her age, how old are you? Almost 14, almost going to high school. Yeah, I remember that when I was an eighth grader in Elgin and everything, right that spring year, our class was kind of a rowdy one. So they decided, well, we're going to start training these guys early. We're going to take them over to the high school, and we're going to show them how the high school works or anything so we don't have to spend half the year next year training these kids what they ought to do and how they ought to behave. So they took us over there, and they wandered us around the high school and, and started training us or anything, and they set us this room with this one teacher, and she said, you guys have any questions? This one person, it wasn't me, I was innocent, okay, he raised her hand and said, how old are you? And she said, well, I'm 25. And I can't, I'll be honest with you, the thought that went through my mind was, that's old. <laughs> that is not old, let me tell you that, okay? 65, I think it looks pretty young to me anymore, but you can't relate to that. But, you know, if you had to have a title to this message, it would be Why Church? Why do we need to go to church or anything when, when the pastor's not even here? Or 
Part of the deacons isn't here. The youth pastor's not here. Why do we need to do, go do this? Well, number one, we're going to try and hit some things on that about why, why it's so important. The scripture I read earlier, uh, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, start with 23, it says, uh, Let us consider one another to provoke unto good love and to good works, not forsaking assembly of ourselves together as the matter of assemblies, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. If I was to have to sum up the whole message into just two verses, folks, it would be those two verses. Because the bottom line is, as we were talking about in our adult Sunday school next door here earlier this morning, as we go through life, things can get frustrating. We can get hit here, knocked down, beat up on during the period of week or anything. We need to be, have people to help us, encourage us, and exhort us and help us up. That verse and things of not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a matter of summons, but exhorting one another, encouraging one another, stirring each other up, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Father, I pray that you help me set myself aside and as we work through the notes and on this message, Father, that the, you open our hearts and our minds to what you would have us to receive here today. Have you will, Father, in our lives today. And Father, I pray that if there's a single person here who doesn't know you as a Savior, they, don't know, they do not leave here today before they find out what salvation is about. Have you will in your way in our lives, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. As I said before, you know, as a new Christian or anything, I, I definitely had questions that people that grew up in church may not have had. And that was, why do we need to be in church whenever there's something is going on there? You know, this church is on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night, and a Wednesday night. I've had people tell me, you need to have all three in order to grow real good. You will grow with one, but it's kind of like I was saying next door this morning. Uh, how often do you eat? You only eat one time a week? Now, I don't know about you, but I know my posterior would look a whole lot better if I only ate one time a week. But to be honest with you, I like to eat at least three times a day, maybe four and five, depending on if we have ice cream in the freezer or not. All right. But why? Why do we need to be in church? It's something when something is going on. Another question I used to have is, why do we have to go to church on a holiday? And if the fish are biting, can't we go fishing instead? Can't we worship the Lord out there? Well, let's just take a look and see what God's word actually had to say about how he feels about his church and how he feels about us being in his house of church. I thank God that you all are here. Number one, it would be awful lonely up here if you weren't here. But number two, and I think it's crucial and important that as that scripture that we just read says that not exhorting the similar of ourselves together as a matter of summons, but exhorting, encourage one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So what does the Bible have to say about God's church? What does God, how does he feel about his church? Well, let's just kind of break it into and just talk about, first of all, what, what the, the definition of a church is. The church, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, is assembly. It's a called out assembly of baptized believers organized to do the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. The church is very precious to God. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over to which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his blood. The church is so precious that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Yes, Jesus, when he was here, yes, he healed a lot of people. He helped the blind to be able to see. But his goal 
his main duty, if you will, his main job, which is that's a three-letter word that most of us can relate to better than other things, is to die the death of the cross for you and for me. To shed his innocent, precious blood for us and for his church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 and 27, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of blood by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So see, folks, this is how God feels about his church. It's so special, so precious for him. He gave it, sacrificed a lot. I was talking about what is a church. I talked about ecclesia. It says uh, the definition of church is a called out assembly of baptized believers organized to do the Lord's work. Matthew chapter 16 verse 18 says, And I say also unto you that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is so crucial. But let me tell you right now, folks, the church is not this building. It's a special building for each and every us. Many of us gave money. Maybe it's gave sweat and tears and blood in order to build this building years ago. Why? So that we could have people in here so that we can share his word, the gospel, so that people can be saved, folks. Uh, right now, today, there's people out here who have churches. Some churches are, are worshiping right now in the people's homes. Other churches are, are just renting buildings and uh, just uh, little places, storefronts and everything, and having churches. The service there. The Bible tells us that God tells us in his word that where two or more people will be there, he will gather together. He will be there. And in the church is what it is. We're spoiled. We're blessed. God has blessed us right here. God has allowed this church to be a lighthouse here in Union County in the valley for many people. But you know, the church, like I say, is not just the, just the building. It's the body too. And we are the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18, it says, For as the body is one, it has many members, all the members of that one body. Being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink unto one spirit. For the body is not one member, but money. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were were the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Without each one of us in the church, the church does not function the way it should. Proof of that. My wife was figuring up the, this morning. What did you say? Six or eight people? Six people is taken right now to cover the things that our pastor does here in the church, folks. And that's not everything that goes on here in the church. It takes many people in the body to do what a church can function properly. It takes the, of course, it takes the preacher and everything. It takes the, the deacons that, that serve to help the preacher and everything. It takes the, the trustees to make sure that the facilities are right. And folks, it definitely takes the person who's going to clean the toilets and everything too. Now that may not seem glamour or status or status or anything like that, but it takes all jobs to make the church function perfectly. When one person is gone, it just doesn't function right. How many here has ever smashed a finger or a toe? Fritz, you worked at a lot of construction. Have you ever did that? 
Now, when you did that or anything, did you go to work the next day? Did it, everything just work just the same as it did before? Uh-uh. It seems like, I know I did that, and a while I've had have three hand surgeries because I have some arthritis problem in her hand, and every once in a while, every once in a while, one of my fingers, it just locks down. No, no big deal. It just click, like someone just said, okay, that's enough of it. I remember the first time that one of them did that, or the, well, we were over at the house, me and Brother Al Tucker. If y'all remember him, he was a, well, he was a pretty good-sized fella, big guy. And I remember sitting there, and we'd been working on it, and I got a phone call, and all of a sudden that finger just locked down, and it wouldn't come loose. And I said, John, you just sit there. I will take care of that. I looked at him. I looked at my finger. I said, Al, I have insurance. I'm going to Mary's Hospital. Okay? Because I knew he could, he would take care of that. But I didn't want the, the way he wanted to take care of that. But the point being is that when one of the parts of our members of our body, whether it's a finger, whether it's a toe, whether it's an eye, or whatever it may be, a headache, whatever, the whole body does not work as well as it ought to. And it's the same way it is with the church. Or if one of the people out of his place is missing, whatever, yeah, we can pinch hit, we can come up and we can function and things will go well and the word of God will get preached and everything, but it's not the same as how God has designed it. Now, we've been hearing some of about the church for, what, 23 years now, dear? 25 years. You're getting older, okay? But I remember many times that we've had people come in here and we have people serving the Lord and everything and then all of a sudden God decides to move them elsewhere and calls them out. We're going to have that in the near future too. Brother Martin and his family, they're called to be missionaries. They're going to be a, a basically pulpit supply to missionaries in the, around military bases around the world. And praise God for that. I'm glad he's doing it. But when they leave, there's going to be spots left empty. But you know what God does when he when he pulls somebody out of your congregation, out of the church, he brings somebody else in. Amen. He supplies the building, supplies it the way he sees fit, is what it is. And I praise God for that. Because I'll guarantee you, folks, y'all wouldn't want me to be the song leader. Y'all wouldn't want me singing specials. But we have a lot of people here can do that job, so praise God for that. I, I do other things, okay? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 5, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same offices. So we be many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. See, time again himself, two different books, it is telling us that we're all members of the body, which all of us need to be in our place. And I praise God. I know I'm preaching to the choir here today, but I'm just letting you know in case somebody's saying, why should I be here when the pastor's not even here? Because God wants us to be here, folks. It's just that pure and simple. I could elaborate, uh, expound on that many more words, but the, the truth of the matter is that's the bottom line. We need to be in God's house as Christians so that we can encourage each other, so we help each other, so that we can be fed on a daily, weekly basis is what it is. Okay? So let's talk a little bit about the church a little bit, about the functions of the church. For the perfecting of the saints, 
He's a very crucial, important function. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, the Bible says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man, unto the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and from and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We grow as church Christians in church. So, well, Brother John, I can worship... God in the mountains. Okay. What does God's word say about that? He says, once again, he says, once again, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The golden rule of Bible interpretation is interpret Scripture with Scripture. So here we have several Scriptures here talking about being in church and how that we all have a place in the body and that we all have a job to do in the body. Also in Hebrews 10, it says that we need to exhort, we need encourage, as we're talking about over next door, that we need to stir each other up on a daily, weekly basis. Iron sharpens iron. So the, a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. You know, without encouragement and edifying of the body, we can do nothing. We can't witness. We can't teach. We certainly can't preach. Without encouragement, how are you or me or anybody going to go out there, outside, in this valley, or forget the valley, go elsewhere, and try and share God's word with everybody else. How many here's got friends they'd like to see get saved? Go ahead, raise your hands, please. If you want, please. Anybody got any friends or any relatives they'd like to see saved? I do. I certainly do. How are we going to be a witness to them? Now, I have friends, people I know that live hundreds of miles away from here. As far as I know, they're not saved. Now, can I, on a daily, weekly basis, go hundreds of miles away and encourage them? No. I need to rely on send them gospel tracts and give them encouraging words, send them a letter or whatever, and praying that somebody in a good gospel church where they're at will go and see them and share the word with them so they can do this. So, see, it's not just here, but it's everywhere in all gospel churches. You know, this, is, this message is not just for this church. Folks, I've shared this message in a lot of churches that I've filled a pulpit in. Because I find out, especially small church, that when you go around to anything, people will look around and say, geez, not many of our members are here. Where is everybody? Geez, the pastor's wife are gone. What's going on? And we need to realize that just because a man, an individual isn't here, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be there. That's right. We need to be there. Appreciate it. So why we need to be in church? For instruction, 2 Timothy 
Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. We need guidance, training, teaching, and preaching to rightly divide the word of God. I ask this question in our Bible study hour next door. How many here, before you're saved, ever tried to pick up this, work, this book and make sense of it? Anybody? I did. I did a number of times. And you know, I'll be totally honest with you, pardon the pun, but it, I read, trying to read it, it sounded like Greek to me. To the point here, said that I couldn't understand a thing. I'd pick it up, I'd read a little bit of it, and maybe I'm just a little dense than a lot of people, but I couldn't make sense, and I'd put it back down. But you know, after somebody shared the gospel with me on a third time, and I got saved and everything, I'd pick up his word, God's word, i open up. Yeah, that's when I said, why didn't I see that in there before? Why didn't I, that make sense to me before? But the truth of man is the word is there. The word is alive. But yet we need teachers, we need preachers to show us how to rightly interpret the word of God. Amen. Why, church? Because we need to know this stuff. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And then the next chapter, it says, Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with law, long suffering, doctrine. Now, you're probably somebody here, you're say, Well, Brother John, that lets me off the hook. I'm not a preacher. I don't have to preach the word. Are y'all saved? Uh huh. Preaching is exhorting, encouraging, sharing the word with other people. I've already asked the question: Have you got a loved one that you want to see saved? So what happens when we get saved? Number one, when we get saved, when we realize we're sinners, because the Bible in Romans chapter three verse twenty-three says we're all sin; we all come short of the glory of God. When we realize that, we realize that because of sin. We can never spend eternity in heaven. Because the Bible talks about there's hell and there's heaven. They're both true places. The Bible teaches us that once we ever took a breath of air, folks, we will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. That's right. You know, we have such a loving God. You know what he does for us? He lets us make a choice. We give the free will. We have a chance in our lives to choose where we're going to spend eternity. Now, I mentioned a little bit ago that I praise God that I got saved the third time that I heard the gospel. I'd like to say that the very first time somebody actually opened up the word and shared it with me, it made sense to me, and I got saved, but it didn't happen. First time that happened, somebody tried to share with me. You know what happened? I laughed at him. And you know, I'm embarrassed about that. I was in the military down in California, a couple guys came in the barracks and everything, and they recently got saved, and they were doing what the, the person, the church they were going to tell them, they were going out and, and around the barracks and trying to share the gospel and trying to invite people to church, just like I do now. And, you know, I laughed at them and said, no, I'm not interested. And they turned around and started talking to somebody else. And, but, you know, I'll be totally honest with you. When they did that, turned their back on me, walked off, I looked at them and I said, what do they got that I don't have? What is this I'm missing? Another time, they're in the military. <laughs> I was going to a class they had us go to and everything, and uh, I knew this one guy was a Christian. How I don't know he was a Christian? Number one, he went to church every Sunday. Number two, to class, 
to a military class, and you can relate to this, Stephen, that he packed a Bible with him. What? A Bible. Now, did anybody else pack a Bible? But not only did he pack the Bible, while we were waiting to get in the door after lunch, or he'd be opening it up and he'd be reading it. And I was, this shortly after the first situation happened, I was, it was bugging me. So I asked him, what is this you're reading? And said, what are you doing? And I think, he just smiled and says, one of these days you understand, John. Then he got up and went into class. You know what that did to me? Lack of a better term and a good spiritual terminology, it irked the snot out of me, folks. You really do. I mean, hey, this is what it was, okay? But you know, my wife and we have them in Colorado Springs one time when we went to a non-denominational church service on a Sunday morning. And to make a long story, saved, I got saved there that day and so did my wife that day. We're twins. One of us got a better hairstyle than the other. You pick which one. But, you know, instruction and righteousness. How would those people know how to go out and share the gospel, invite me into their, the church and share and get past my stupidity without instruction or rightness. How would they keep going about it when not only myself and other people were, quote, laughing at them? Now, am I proud about doing that? Absolutely not. My goal in life, one of my prayers in life, that one of these days I'll meet those two guys who tried to share the gospel with him. And I'll thank them for that, what they did. Because what I didn't realize, but what they did, they were planting seed in me, folks. And a seed, and it eventually germinated. It had a lot of hard ground to work up through in order to grow. But I eventually did get saved. Praise God for that. You know why we need to be in church? For the power of association. How many here got kids or grandkids? Raise your hands. Go ahead. Let's, let's be totally honest with it. Okay. We teach our kids that they, we are known by the people we associate. Anybody here ever told your kids or grandkids that? Says, no, 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 I don't want you going after that. Those guys, mm-mm, they're bad news. Mm-hmm. That ever happened to you? We did that with our kids. When my dad did it with me, I said, Dad, well, I won't say what I said, okay? You got me in trouble, okay? But the, the point is, we want our kids, our children, to associate with the people who give a good influence. Now, if we want our children associating with the people who give a good influence and be encouraged and uplifting, well, how about ourselves? Don't you all think that we ought to be in association with people that's going to help us out and encourage instead of drag us down? You know, there's a story about if you're out crabbing, if you have a bucket and everything, you pick up one crab, you get one crab out of your thing, you put it in there. You gotta kinda of watch that crab, because pretty quick, if you don't, he's gonna crawl out of that bucket and take off. But you know, if you get half a dozen crabs in there, you don't have to worry about that. You can go out and do what you're doing, because those crabs are gonna pull each and other right back in. What's the point? Is that, why you think the world trying to drag you back into the ways you did before you got saved? Because they don't want you to show them that there's a different way that's wrong. Satan doesn't want you to show them the truth. But God wants us to show people that. You know, and we need counselors in life. We need, what's a counselor? That's a a term of an individual who's been through life someplace that we're going to and we're frustrated and that they can give us and guide us away. That's a simple way to do it. I'm not talking about counselors for marriage or anything like that, but just counselors encouraging us in life. Okay, no matter what it may be. You know, the Bible says that we need to be faithful. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The Bible also says that the stewards are required to be faithful. Once we get saved, we are called a steward to take care of God's property, take care of God's business here on earth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the ministries of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So what is faithful? It means that the you're going to do your job day in, day out, whether you like it or whether you want it, whether you feel like it or not. You know, let's have a little comparison here. I worked for 36 and a half years at Boys Cascade, then I retired. You know, I had a, a contract agreement with those guys. And that contract agreement was that if I showed up and did my job right and everything, the way they would pay me on a bi-weekly basis every two weeks for three and a half years. Why is it we're willing to commit ourselves to a secular place where we're going to get some lucre, some money to pay our expenses and stuff or anything, and we're willing to do what we have to do to that and be consistent and faithful to that, but a lot of times we're not faithful to the Lord. Very good. Every time I say that, it's like stomping on my own toes. But the truth is, we need to be faithful. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let me read that one more time. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith. You say, Brother God, I, don't, I look around, I don't see... God, Jesus and the human body here. We have faith. We know his word is the true word of God, the living word of God. And like I said before, he tells us that two or more gathered together, he is right here with us, folks. And I praise God for that. Why do I praise God for that? Because I couldn't do what I'm doing up here. I could definitely could not get up here and pre- teach and preach and whatever, uh, no matter what church is in, without God helping me. You know what I do every time that I have to preach or, and teach? Number one, before I get up and do it, I ask God to just help me set myself aside and just speak through me. Because y'all don't want to listen to me. You need to listen to God is what it is. I remember one of the first times that the pastor asked me to uh, fill the pulpit on a Sunday morning. My wife and I was just talking about this this morning as we were sitting on the deck and everything, getting ready for this morning and everything. And she said, Oh, I remember one of the first times that the pastor asked him to, to, to preach on a Sunday morning. He said, yeah, what's that? He said, I remember you got the phone call. He was sick or anything, and Angie was in the hospital. And, uh, and the first thing he did, you went in the bathroom and got sick. <laughs> Oops. It's so true. He says there's a lot of praise, a lot of responsibility to share God's word. But most importantly, every one of us have got that responsibility. You may say, well, brother, I'm not a preacher. We already established that you are. You save, God has called every one of us to share his word Amen. with a friend, a relative, a neighbor, something like that. It's almost like a circle or a thing that the, we hear the gospel, we get saved over here or a thing, then we start, he listens to God's word and he teaches us and pretty quick he lays the name of a soul in our hearts and we go ahead and we share it with them and then we share it with them again and we share it with them again and pretty quick, by the grace of God, not with us, but by the grace of God, they get saved. You know what happens to them? They heard the gospel and they get saved and just on any circle. 
And that's what the Christian life is about. It's not about fancy buildings, churches, or anything like this. It's about God, His Word, and what we need from His Word. You know, why? Why do we need to be in church? Because we need to separate ourselves from the world. We get enough of the world during the week, folks. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says, Come out from among them. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, for, and I will receive you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Love not the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, the bottom line is, Light and darkness don't mix. What I mean by that? Well, just an old country saying that you can't sow wild oats on Saturday night and come to church on Sunday and pray for a crop failure. They don't work that way. You need to be in God's house. You need to learn God's word. You need to do what God has to say. You need to surrender to what God would have you to do. That's what it is. You know? Very good. In closing, kind of a short message here today. But I want you to think about, you know, I said a little bit ago that none of us can go to heaven on what we did in our life, our own works. Because we're all, we're all messed up. We all mess up. We're all sinners. Romans chapter 23, excuse me, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, we all sin. We all come short of the glory of God. Right. Then the bottom line, the question is, what is sin? Now, according to world standards, we may not have really messed up that bad or anything. But what the definite is sin is, is anything. Now, let me repeat, anything that displeases God. Sin of commission or sin of omission. In other words, if God lays something on your heart to do, or somebody to see and talk to, and you don't do it, maybe you say, well, it's just inconvenient, well, I'm tired, I just don't feel good, and you just don't do it. Folks, in God's eyes, that's a sin. If God says, don't do this, and you look around the world and it says, well, that's not that bad. Such and such over here is doing worse than that. And you go ahead and do it. If it's against God's eyes, that's a sin. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and the wage of sin is death. Eternal separation from the Lord Jesus Christ is what it's all about. But the gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, in closing, I love this passage. I just want to read it and just go through it just a little bit with you. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 17, the Bible says, That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto his righteousness, and with the mouth confession made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Let's just pause right there. Some people would say that I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. That my daddy and everything, he wasn't the most prestigious person in the world. The truth of the matter, he was a town drunk when I was growing up. It's just the way it was. You know, but I love this verse right here, verse 12, where it says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. The Lord saved my soul, same as he saves your soul if, you have, if you've been saved, and same as he wants to save your soul if you haven't been saved. 
It doesn't matter what your background is, what your parents did before, your granddaddies did, or anything like that. It doesn't matter your educational background, your financial status, or whatever it is. If you are a whosoever, you can be saved. Because what does the next verse say? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everybody take a deep breath. Don't that feel good? You know what that means? That means you're alive. That means that if you haven't ever asked Christ to forgive your sins and come to your heart and save your soul, you can still do it. If you sit there and take a deep breath, we'd have a problem here. We, because you wouldn't have an opportunity again. But you do have the opportunity. And our scripture here goes on and says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they shall not all... They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Why do we need to be in God's house and church? To hear his word preached. Amen. That's what it is. Let's get right down where the rubber meets the road, folks. For the teaching, the preaching, the uplifting, encouragement of God's word is why we need to be in God's house. Now, if you're traveling or something on a vacation, vacation is great. My wife and I, we're going to take an extended vacation come the first part of July. But I can guarantee you, I just stand up here and look at every one of you and I and tell you that on a Sunday morning, we will be in God's house. I don't care where, what stage it's in. And when you're traveling or anything, let me encourage you to do exactly the same thing. I know most of you folks here do. Okay? Why? To make me happy? No. To make our pastor happy? No. Make God happy. To be obedient and faithful to what God would have us to do is what it is. You know? I can elaborate more on the subject, but it's not necessary. You've heard the word. You know what God's doing with your hearts, with his word. 